What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here in my basement. Uh, just had a great conversation with Janie Haddad Tompkins. Uh, Janie is wonderful. She, uh, I met her at Max FunCon a few years ago. Uh, she is married to Paula Tompkins, and Paul was there uh, doing his comedy thing with Super Ego, and Janie tagged along because Max FunCon is just a fun place to go, and met her poolside with Hodgman. And uh, Janie was just sort of a kindred spirit, I feel like. She's also from the South and kind of reminded me of my wife, uh, Emily, a little bit. I think they would be fast friends if they ever got to hang out. And just a lot of fun. Janie's super sweet and uh, very funny, and she's an actor. And we get to talk about uh, her um, auditioning for roles and uh, this play that she did in Edinburgh and sort of working – as a working actor and what that's like uh, to go out and audition and to hang your hopes on something like that. And it was a lot of good insight. So we talk about that. We talk about Charleston, which is where she grew up and where uh, sort of in the neighborhood of where the movie, the big chill was set. And that was her pick. Uh, the 1983 dramedy from Lawrence Kasdan with just the bonkers cast. Uh, and we had a really great discussion about it. So uh, here we go with Janie Haddad Tompkins on the big chill. Oh, look at you, handheld. Well, that's fun. <laughs> wow, that would surprise me. That's so fun. <laughs> Where are you? What room are you in? Um, we call this the guest room. Okay, because guests stay there? <laughs> they can, yeah, if we take this couch and turn it into a um, a bed. Now, is that where Hodgman stayed when he lived with you guys for a period? 
Oh, yes. this uh, He would probably call it his room, but <laughs> it's really the guest room. I'm sure the, he would. The guest room, but it's also kind of like a den, you know. Well, I like your fish because, uh, art. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Nice. And where are you? I'm in my basement. I have a uh, an old man band, and so I have a band room, and <laughs> so I had all this sound paneling and stuff anyway, and I That's just sort so of cool. reconfigured it uh, once the world ended, so I could still work. <laughs> right. How you guys? And do- I hope I hope the name of your band is Old Man Band. Well, that's what all our wives call it. Uh, uh-huh. We named ourselves, but they don't have enough respect to refer to us as our real name. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Um, I was going to ask how you're doing, and I do want you to say that for the benefit of the listeners. But I've been listening to Stay F. Homkins. The podcast Thank you do you. with your husband, Paul F. Tompkins, and it is so yeah. fun and funny. And I kind of feel like I know how you guys are doing. Wow. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being, thanks for listening. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of times on the podcast, we 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 try not to allow our despair to come out, but. I think you do a good job. I mean, it's really funny. We try. And fun. <laughs> and you guys are both so endearing and fun. And it's just, uh, I'm glad that you're doing the show together. It's nice. Yeah, thanks for well, thanks so much for having me. At one time, I think you were in town, and you were looking to record here. That's Is that, right. Am I misremembering? Yeah, I mean, not here at your house, although I would have. But um, <laughs> you know, our network has some studios in Hollywood. But yeah, I was trying to get you on. I don't know if that was the same trip where I had Paul on. Because uh, we talked about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, because his real pick, um, oh gosh, what's the name of it? Would it be? Would it have been Lawrence of Arabia? No, uh, the one with uh, Jim Broadbent, the period piece. Oh, he loves Topsy Turvy. Yeah. Topsy Turvy, uh, but I couldn't yeah, find it doesn't. anywhere. It wasn't streaming, and I think I would have had to order the DVD or something. And uh, that That's didn't so happen, weird. so he pivoted to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which was very nice. Yeah, that's weird. I love. Uh, I'm a big Mike Lee fan too. Mm, so yeah, it's weird that it wouldn't have been available. Do you guys have the Criterion Channel, the Criterion app? I don't think so. Highly recommend it's, it. Okay. You know, it's funny I'm on your podcast because I'm kind of like a television fanatic. Well, we talk about TV and stuff, too. Um, okay. I mean, the the Friday editions are movie deep dives, but I do a Monday edition called Mini Crush where I just do a lot of fun stuff with the listeners on Facebook and play like little fun games and pose questions. And there's a lot of TV talk there. Gotcha. What's your, gotcha. What's your big TV jam lately? Oh, my God. Well, right now, we just started this really awesome French spy series called The Bureau. Right. I haven't seen it. I've and heard of it. Yeah, it's um, it's on Sundance now. So you have to like, I don't know. Do you ride the rails of the stream streamers? <laughs> I've got too many. Like I ditched cable because I was tired of paying that much money, and I think I probably paid just as much money now with all the sure, channels. Yeah, yeah. But they're the channels that I want, so I don't mind too much. 
Right, 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 right. Well, um, so on Sundance now, it's called uh, the Bureau, and it's like about like their CIA or whatever. Uh-huh. And I guess like they call their CIA the Bureau of Legends. Ooh, what a great name! But it's really good. And is it just uh, like spycraft or? Yeah, spy spycraft. Ooh, I love that stuff. But there are matters of the heart. It's like it's like a humanization of people who do that work, uh, kind okay. of. Yeah, you don't get to see that a lot either, because usually spies are just so, I mean, all you see them doing is spy stuff. Speaking of spy shows, though, I also loved The Americans. Did you watch? I did not watch that, but my wife Emily watched it um, fully. And it was one of those shows uh-huh. where I kind of, and this may happen to you guys too, like one of you sort of, gets into a show and then by the time the other one is like well I want to watch that too they're a fucking season (laughs) in yeah I mean actually that did kind of happen with us with the Americans and so I he was only like two seasons ahead so I caught up only two seasons (laughs) I know no I'm telling you I'm a TV I'm a TV nut like fanatic well maybe I should watch Americans (laughs) Emily loved it she said it was so great it's great it's great she would like the bureau then Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll check that out. We've been watching, um, you know, of course, when times are tough, we turn to comedy and uh, things have been especially tough around here lately. So we've just barreled through what we do in the shadows, which was a lot of fun. And we before Mm -hmm. that, we barreled through a show called Red Oaks that Hodgman was on. I've seen some of Red Oaks. I I really liked it. They, They lost me on one episode. Which one? The Freaky Friday? Yes. It was a little I, weird. I was like, this is not the mythology or the world of this show. And it kind of like derailed me a little bit. Yeah. It, I will say this for that episode. It was kind of fun. And I give him props for doing something different. But it was definitely like uh, non-canon Red Oaks. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah. I love that show. I thought it was wonderful. Yes, good. Paul Reiser, how awesome is he? Yeah, he was he was a badass and he was pretty awesome. I think got totally ignored for like Emmy consideration. <laughs> yeah, I think he's doing okay though. <laughs> well, no, not to feel too, too bad about Paul Reiser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what else I watch. Uh, I've been watching this survival show on Netflix, but that's sort of one of those reality <laughs> competition shows. Yeah, like a re- like a reality thing or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of like a more um, legit naked and afraid. But these are like real survivalists and they're not naked and um, so or I, afraid. I, well, no, <laughs> they're kind of afraid, but just not naked. They get afraid. <laughs> uh, and what else? You got anything else TV wise? Well, speaking of Sundance, if you do sign up, there was this British show I loved called The Split, and it was about these. Um, this female family of divorce lawyers oh. that all had like messy families themselves. Uh-huh. So I got really into that. That sounds I great. I like British stuff. Yeah, I feel like like we could just do nothing but watch British television as if yes. American TV didn't exist and it would be great. <laughs> yes, yes. Anything totally. from the BBC is always so fucking good. I agree. I agree. So um, I know where you're from because uh, we've chatted before. Um, my friend Mita is also from Charleston, uh, the Mount Pleasant area of South Carolina. 
and I know you're from there. Were you born there or did you just grow up there? Oh, no. Um, I'm originally from West Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, and coincidentally, the Charleston area of West Virginia. Oh, and yeah. then I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. And then my parents divorced um, when I was eight. And then um, my mom got a job in South Carolina and we moved to South Carolina. So I'm from Charleston to Charleston. True Hollywood stories. <laughs> well, Charleston... I mean, I've been to both, but Charleston, South Carolina, as you know, because I even invited you guys one time to a beach house where we rented. Uh, that's where we vacation every year, Isle of Palms. <laughs> um, yeah, and I uh, grew up on Sullivan's Island. Island, which is the neighboring island to Isle of Palms. Okay, you grew up on Sullivan's Island? Yeah, yeah. That is, like, amazing. That's just, it's, that's some Prince of Tide shit right there. It's totally Prince of Tides. I mean, it used to be Prince of Tides. Now it's like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, but it was not before, uh, before there was like a big hurricane that came through there Uh in 1989 and sort of changed the, shall we say, socioeconomic makeup of the area. (laughs) So what happens? A hurricane comes through, knocks down a bunch of houses, then a bunch of Richies come in and rebuild. Yeah, like what happens is like you'll get like a ginormous like insurance uh, payout. And then instead of it being a bunch of like rickety old beach homes that were built in like 1918, it becomes like 1991 McMansion style. Right. Yeah, like it changes sort of like a character uh, DNA of the place. Yeah, but it's still a great place to go, but yeah. No, it's amazing. Um, we, we go out to eat on Sullivan's Island sometimes, which yes. if you're not familiar with the area, I mean, Sullivan's Island is right next to Isle of Palms and Folly Beach, yeah. and they're all just sort of right there together. Um, this last time we went last year, we stayed in this place that was, uh, it had been added onto, but it was one of the original, um, I guess, sort of cottages from Isle of Palms that they ended up <laughs> expanding and macking out but it was, yeah. it still had that character of the old place. Yes. Like you could tell where the old place was and it was so fucking cool. There was actually just an article in, I want to say in April about like the old and the new and sort of mm-hmm. like that balance of trying to keep, like there was a real lack of historical preservation in, on the barrier islands yeah. there when they started to rebuild and stuff. And it was like a conversation about it. I had to send you a link. It was in the Charleston paper, the the post and courier. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I I just love that area. We fell in love with the, the low country and just, I grew up going to Florida to the Gulf of Florida because that's where my parents went. Oh, nice. Um, It's okay. But you know, (laughs) (laughs) once we went to South Carolina, I just loved it so much more. Just uh, the the vibe there was completely different than it was in Florida um, and the people and it was just it's amazing I have a feeling the vibe anywhere outside of Florida is completely different than Florida <laughs> yeah, that's a good point no no offense to your Florida <laughs> listeners I just you know oh I think they're used to it Florida takes a lot of shit these days they do that's a really big state too how crazy big is Florida like if you ever drive I've like driven from Charleston to the Keys yeah. it was a long time ago but, like, you just can't believe how long Florida is. Oh, it's long. Like, I live in Atlanta, and Miami is as close to me as New York. And pe- That's so wild. Yeah, it's a long way down there. And there's a bunch of different Floridas, too, 
because you've got sure. the Gulf and you've got Miami and then you've got inland Florida and then the Clearwater sort of uh, retirement area and then northern Florida, like where Jacksonville and St. Augustine yeah. and stuff. It's, it's really diverse, but not. It is. <laughs> Unlike the Everglades, you've got swampy Florida. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I guess that's the inland. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Charleston just won me over. I mean, we get into town when we go occasionally. Mainly, we just set up on the beach and like hang out at the house and go to, uh, oh God, what's the seafood place right there that I go that has the key lime You're pie. You're giving me vibes. You're giving me vibes. It is, it's just the best. <laughs> Isn't it the best? Do y'all just fly there? Because it's like a 30 minute, it's like a 40 minute flight from no, ATL. We drive because we bring so much shit yeah. with us and we bring our dogs and cats. We always have to get That's a place fine. that allows the animals. That's like a five hour drive, right? Yeah. It's, it's no big deal at all. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can have dogs on the That's beach cool. after a certain date in September. And so we always book it after that because we can bring the dogs you know what? down there. Best time to book it. In, I mean, it's, too, it's so hot yeah. there right now. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. And it's hot in September, but it, it's cooling down just a tiny bit. Just enough. Yes. Yes. Agree. Agree. And I know Perfect. we were talking, you and I were talking at one point about um, not us buying a place, but I was looking at properties and you were like, we've done the math. It's cheaper to rent. And it totally it's, is. Well, it is because of how much it costs now to own there. And yeah. not to mention your property tax, but also you're required to have flood insurance. Yeah, I'm sure that's a lot. And it's not cheap because you're right. Like you're in like you're on like a coastal floods, you know, flood zone. I mean, when I was there and the hurricane came through, like the entire island was completely um, the entire Sullivan's Island was completely underwater. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's scary. Was totally submerged. Good Lord. At the height of the storm. Yeah. Is hurricane season just like super stressful for everyone or are they just used to it? Yeah. That's another thing. If you owned there, you'd have to be stressing about your about the hurricanes. Yeah, that's no good. No, it's no good. Now, did you uh, when did you start acting? Did you act when you were growing up there, like in high school theater and stuff? Um, you know what? I did actually. That's sort of when I started uh um, I kind of fell in love with it. Are we, is this the podcast, by the way? This is the podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were just chatting. I was like, fine with it. Now I'm like worried I'm being boring. Um, no, yeah, I am. Um, well, in, in Charleston, there was, um, uh, I've always been interested in storytelling, you mm. know, and stories and stuff. And um, there was a theater there. It's like the oldest theater in town, the Dock Street Theater. And they had like a little, you know, acting classes for students and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I got, um, that was sort of like a, like a side interest. I, I wasn't, you know, like going after like real, like I didn't have stage parents or anything. It was like my hobby, I guess. And then yeah. in high school we did stuff and I went to an all girls high school and so all of the male parts would be played by women uh -huh. <laughs> or young women and stuff like that. So I was always sort of involved and I, I knew I wanted to get serious about studying acting. So I sort of pursued it more in college and graduate level, but yeah. Now, where'd you go to college? Um, I ended up going to the university of South Carolina in Columbia, which is about two hours North west of Charleston, mm -hmm. big state school. Um, 
And that was fun. And I got involved in theater there. And it was a more liberal arts uh, type of a degree, like a Bachelor of Arts. And um, but I knew people in the theater program that had gone on to study more conservatory style Mm -hmm. in master's programs. So I got serious about pursuing a master's at the end of my bachelor's career. And then I ended up going, um, I got, I didn't get in the first time around. Maybe this is interesting, but, um, you kind of audition for these programs Uh and, um, I didn't get in the first time around. So I, I saved all my money as waiting tables. And then I was trying to get better and pick a better monologue and all. (laughs) And then, um, my second go around, I ended up getting an offer for a full scholarship at oh, wow. SMU in Dallas. Uh huh. So you went and to I study could, graduate. I couldn't turn that down. Oh no, that's amazing. Do you remember what you auditioned with? You know, um, it was an Irish. It was something Irish. I did like the. I worked on like the dialect and everything. Now I'm gonna have to look it up. It was like about like, you know. The Irish Troubles. Yeah. <laughs> Potato famine. <laughs> yes. And then and then I guess I must have done a comedic and it might have had to have been like a classical. Like I probably did some Shakespeare or something. And and then you had to sing like a few bars, acapella, something, even though it wasn't a musical program. But yeah, I can't remember what I did. Can you sing? No. I mean, I can carry a tune. I shouldn't say no off the bat, but I don't consider myself musical. Right. Because that, I mean, that's a, I can sing a little bit that's too, it, but that's it. a whole different deal when you're talking about theater. Yeah. 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 Like I, I, I say I was in my choir like in high school, but yeah. I was not the soloist, if that makes sense. Yes. I was church choir and then uh, my wife was show choir. It's in oh. high school. Yeah, which is a whole different deal. Show choir sounds more fun. Like you would sing more fun songs than the church choir. Yeah, and it was, uh, you you <laughs> performed like there were like dance routines and stuff in show choir. Got it. Yeah. It was like an inner, it was, you're putting on a show. Yeah, it was a total show. I've seen some of the tapes. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I was in a choir in, um, when I finished drama school, I moved to New York City because I thought I could get on Broadway. <laughs> That's what you do. And, uh. I mean, I was trying to, and, um, I was a part of a choir called the New York city labor chorus. And the one requirement was that you had to be a member of a labor union. And I was the only screen actors guild actors equity member in the, in the, um, choir, but we would sing like, uh, you know, like protesty kind of songs, like we shall overcome and stuff. What were the other union members like? Just all sorts like, of stuff, like teamster, like teamsters, and like wow. office worker, like real blue collar. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Like, and then like if there would be like a protest where they would get one of those giant like inflatable rats or something, uh-huh. then like we'd show up and do stuff like that. <laughs> so fucking cool. <laughs> it I love it that. was really weird. How long were you? But I liked it a lot. How long were you there in New York? I was only there for two years because I was there. Like the nine eleven attacks happened, Uh and I just had to leave. Like it wasn't gonna. It wasn't a good scene for me. And then I came out to L.A. and went out to L.A. uh, to again try acting. 
Yes. And, and really what happened was I got real with myself because I love television. Uh-huh. I think we established that. <laughs> 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 and, uh, I really, even when I was thinking like I would do theater, it was for me, it was always like a path mm-hmm. to TV stuff because I was always sort of under the impression that if you were a stage actor, people, you were desirable in the television world. Right. But apparently that's not true. Oh, really? (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess it's true. I guess there's some truth to it. But nowadays, I think there's so many... um, Mediums. I mean, like people do stuff online or, Mm -hmm. you know, or you might be like an influencer or something and get attention that way. And I don't know. There's other (laughs) other ways. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you want to, were you like, I want to be on a sitcom? I mean, was that what your goal was as a TV head? Um, pretty much any good television. Like I have no snobbery about it, except... I love great comedy and everything, but I do love um, prestige drama mm-hmm. a lot. Like yeah. I watch a lot of it. Um, but there's I, I I also like dramedy too. So yeah. I feel like that's maybe my sweet spot. Is that I feel like I could be someone really funny in a in a serious comedy or something like that. Which kind of leads us to our movie, but. We don't have to go there yet. <laughs> well, no, but we will. Uh, okay. The uh, do you have like the serious dramatic chops? Like, can you can you go there? I mean, I'm trained to go there, but I don't think a lot of directors probably see me that way. I get a, I get I mostly go into comedy rooms, uh-huh. audition for comedy rooms, but um, yeah, I can go there. I mean, I can definitely, I mean, I was trained to go there, <laughs> but I don't know. I probably am not as, I don't have like the natural gravitas maybe of some dramatic actors, but. Yeah, but you don't, like gravitas is, uh, it's a fine trait, but I don't think you need gravitas to bring it dramatically, you know? I guess. I mean, like, is Gary Oldman doing a lot of sitcoms? I say that and he might have and I don't know. I don't think he is. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's much harder to be funny, I think. Um, I think actor. it is. I mean, I feel grateful that I can do a little bit of both because uh-huh. it does give you more flexibility and opportunities. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember seeing at one point, it feels like a couple of years ago, you did a play in uh, Edinburgh. Yes, I did. Yes. What was that all about? And, well, that was a fun sort of happy accident where I had participated. Um, so There was a writer at the same agency I was in and they wanted to do a table read of this play that she had that she had written her and her husband. He's an actor. She's a writer and, um, they, uh, he's an awesome actor, Dan, Dan O'Brien, Danny O'Brien. Um, he, he's done a lot of comedy and stuff. Um, and they were doing a table read and, and so the agency had reached out and said, Hey, do you want to try to do this table read at our, it's just like an in-house, 
you know, thing. And I was like, sure. I mean, I, you know, why not? And so um, it w- they read this sort of, it was a comedic play that she'd written called Mary Go Nowhere. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really fun. And a couple of weeks later, they had the husband and wife had decided they wanted to take it to Edinburgh because Danny had been to Edinburgh in the past and the way that that festival, the fringe festival works is if you have, if you can get a venue, you can do your show. Oh, cool. There's no, there's really no like uh, vetting process or anything like that. Like, in fact, that festival is wild. Like it blew my mind because there were over that festival is so huge it's an entire month long, uh, the month of August. Yeah. There were over 3,000 uh, shows. Wow. In the festival. So when you get there and you're like, oh, I want to look at some of these shows and get It's like you get like a phone book. Yeah. You, they, they have like a special app on your phone uh-huh. where you can pull up the app if you're in a certain area of town and it'll tell you the 20 shows around you wow. that are starting within an hour That's of amazing. where you're standing. Holy cow. So the entire city of Edinburgh, which I'd never been to before, is completely taken over by perform- like theater nerds. <laughs> no, like everybody, musicians, comedians, yeah. everybody, circus, everything. And every single inch of that town, which is a medium-sized town normally, yeah. is becomes a venue. It, like, like a closet in a coffee shop will become a venue. Wow. I mean, it is just wild. And millions of people flood through Edinburgh for this festival. And I guess like a lot of people who live there sometimes leave town because they don't want to be overrun by the festival. Yeah. They go on holiday and um, and then they rent out their flats and stuff, which is what our production did. We rented two flats. We were like a cast of nine people. Uh-huh. And um, half the cast lived in one and half the cast lived in the other, like fun. a couple blocks from each other. Yeah. So it was like real fun gorilla. God, that sounds yeah. like it would be so much fun. Um, I was, we did a Stuff You Should Know UK tour and we went to Edinburgh for a show. And oh, wow. it was just like. During I, the festival, for the festival. No, no, no. It was pre-festival, but uh, a lot of the posters, I think it was in. I'd have to look. I think it was in June or something, but there were already okay. a lot of posters up. Uh, mm-hmm. But that town was just unbelievable. Like, I I was just walking around thinking, is this even real or I, am I, I at Epcot or something? I could not agree more. I mean, as some uh, uh, as someone who loves Charleston, like anything with charm, right, or yeah. like history, feel you know, oh, I, totally. I, it kind of in a weird way reminded me because it felt like a similar size. Uh huh. It's probably a little bigger, but like, um, and everywhere you look is like visually juicy, you know, like I, I just, I loved it so much. Um, even if you were there for like, say you were super rich and you were there for the festival and you were like, I'm going to see a show every, like, I'm going to see a show from morning to night for all of August. I did the math. I'm not great at math, but you still could only possibly see not even 10% of all of the shows. Wow. Because there are that many shows. Man, it must be so much fun during the festival. Like it was an amazing place, but I'm (laughs) trying to imagine it full of actors and comedians and 
Yeah. It was great. I saw so many shows. I, um, cause also when you're in the festival, you get like a badge. Oh yeah. And it, and if you're like, if you're the tier of the festival you're in, you get to see shows, those shows for free if they're empty seats. Yeah. And stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's really hard though to, it's hard to get a show seen there though. Yeah. I bet too much stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Huh? There's too much stuff going on and you have to, you have to come in so hardcore with like reviews and stuff from like New York times or something. Yeah. How did you guys do with your play? How was it? We did not do well with it. Oh no. <laughs> it was a very underattended. I mean, we had a great time and I loved my cast and I wouldn't change that experience, uh, for the world. Yeah. Um, but because it was sort of, um, it was just a newer show. It was a new original show and yeah. we didn't have like a huge name draw or anything like that. Right. And it was in the afternoon and it wasn't exactly kid friendly, you know? Right. But so I, there's just a lot of producing elements that you have to kind of cover if you think you want to take a show to Edinburgh because. Yeah, I bet. Well, you went to Edinburgh, you're in a play, you had your nights free. I saw shows every night. <laughs> I bet it was so much fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I can't, I, I feel terrible because, you know, our show didn't do, I wish that I could have brought something to like some, I wish I had like some like Meryl Streep fame that could have brought people to the show because these are my friends that were producing it and yeah. I wanted them to come out ahead, you know, but now did you make like lifelong buddies too? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Like the people in my show, I love so much. They're like so talented. Uh, yeah, definitely. And we're all based in LA. So, Oh, cool. Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, Mike, do you know Mike McShane? He was in the show. Mike, Michael McShane. He's mm, a famous I improviser. I don't think so. Kinda, oh, well, yeah. He he was, he does Edinburgh, like, he's, like, famous in Edinburgh. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, he's part of that show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Oh, okay. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're big over there in the UK. Yeah. They like <laughs> they improv and stuff, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was fun. Now, what kind of stuff, before, you know, the the great pandemic hit, what kind of stuff do you... Like, what's it like as an actor uh, auditioning and what kind of stuff do you go out for? And just give Man, me, that give me a sense a of that. that is a great question. Thanks. That's a good question. Thank you for asking that because that is something I've, I don't always talk, I don't talk about it a lot, uh -huh. but being an actor is, um, it is a mental exercise. Uh -huh. It is like, there's a lot of, psychological athleticism to it in yeah. because they're, you know, before the pandemic and I've had some auditions during the pandemic through zoom and stuff like that. But although I don't understand how they're going to shoot stuff, but, uh, they're trying to figure that out. Um, you know, you're, you're on call all the time. Yeah. You're worried. Like if you leave town, right. That they're going to, they're going to be like, Oh, you got the callback for Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like in the middle of nowhere and you can't, you know, um, 
Although that's never happened to me, but I'm sure it's happened to somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just on call all the time. You get like, sometimes you get close to jobs. I, I've never said this on a thing. Well, maybe I can say it more, but I was up for a, a, a role. It would have just been like one day in a movie, but it was like one of my favorite directors of all time. Uh-huh. And I was so like, I would have died if I'd gotten it. And he wanted to call me directly on the phone. Oh, wow. And he, he left me like a message on my phone, which I, I said I would never delete in my life. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I would have gotten the role. I actually found out like a couple months later, a friend of mine was also up for the same role, but the movie fell through. So oh. yeah, there were some life rights involved and I guess the guy backed out. Well, does, when something like that happens though, do you feel like you get on a director's radar for future work? You do, but you know, it's one of those things where you're like, what are the chances like when it like his next project, this guy's like a f- awesome film director, you know, takes so long to put a movie together. Will yeah. there be roles even remotely, you know, remotely for me? Right. That are appropriate. Yeah, you do. You do. You do. And then you. I think more importantly, and this is sort of there's a ground game in acting is you feel like, oh, I've gotten on that casting director's radar. Right. Because. They're the ones that are doing project after project, maybe three projects at the same time, you know, and hopefully they'll call you in. Yeah, because it's a little bit about the hustle. Um, Like aside from just doing your best and having a great uh, a great audition, like what Mm -hmm. what else can you do outside of all of that stuff uh, to get jobs and to like for the hustle part? I think one, I think generate work for yourself. Um, one of the things I, I try to do is right now I'm writing, I'm writing a pilot. I hope to send around when I'm finished with it. It's really close to being finished. Um, try to pitch ideas, like get in on pitch meetings, try to stretch yourself into these other little avenues of the industry. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. I, yeah, like try to get on, like do plays. I know they don't pay anything, but like, you know, when I was in Edinburgh, like the play didn't do well, but, uh, you know, like uh, the few people that came to see the play, one of them is now the development director at a big, uh, you know, whatever. And you keep, you know, you just keep a running list of everyone you come into contact with. It's like politics in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. And you send thank you cards or you send emails or, Uh or just try to stay. Um, you know, there's a networking element, I guess. Yeah. Podcasting, I guess. Podcasting is exposure. Yeah, totally. Uh, I didn't really think about that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the best person to give advice because I'm unemployed right now. <laughs> well, I mean, actors are always unemployed until they have that next that's job. Tr- and then it, when it's over, you're unemployed again. That's a, that is, that's very true. That's very true. And it's easy to like compare your career to other careers. And that's never a yeah. good thing because they're never similar careers. Right. Yeah. I imagine know? it's really tough to, and, and this was sort of even, I used to work on, on, 
film crews. I kind of came up as a PA in an art department and stuff before mm-hmm. I had a big career change. But uh, when when TV commercials and music videos would get slow and you wouldn't work for a few weeks, you, that paranoia kind of sets in because you think everyone else <laughs> is working but me. And you start calling oh around and like, are you working? Are you working? And usually no one's working in the case of crews, but sometimes they are and it feels shitty. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's the thing about that's the thing about the psychological athleticism, because you have to kind of like while you're constantly networking, generating your own work and then also being audition ready at any given moment of your life, (laughs) you're also trying to develop like a healthy ego. Right. You know, uh, mental health, Uh uh, you know, eating well, sleeping well. It's like I mean, it's like your whole freaking life yeah it's not you know you got to be a complete human with or without it yeah yeah that's really interesting stuff um you want to oh real quick before we get going on big chill uh you mentioned like they're trying to figure it out my my friend you know so much production here in atlanta my friend uh is just getting cranking on a on a big 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 movie in a few weeks here and they are bubbling everybody they are Putting everyone in a hotel, even if they live in Atlanta, seven days a week. They're paying them for seven days and they're yep. feeding them three meals a day. And you're not allowed to see your wife or your husband or your partner. Um, they are just basically quarantining everybody together, shuttling them to set and back and forth to the hotel. And that's it. How long? How long is the production? Three months. No way. Yeah. Wow. It's a big movie. It's um, that's dedication. Yeah, and you know, of course, productions are going to have to spend a lot more money to do that kind of thing. But the uh, alternative is just not not shoot movies. Well, yeah, they'll lose money if they don't make the content. And yeah. guess what? They have money. <laughs> yeah, they totally have money. Uh, These studios and streaming places, like by the way, like I don't know, like I'm kind of a news junkie. Uh-huh. Netflix, I think, has had like an explosion in earnings. Oh, really? During the pandemic. Oh yeah. uh, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just sort of start doling I think there's it out. money. <laughs> yeah, totally. Start making some content. Bubble me. I'm ready to bubble. <laughs> yeah, I mean I miss movies. I miss new movies. Uh yeah. And and that's gonna like I miss going to the movies. I miss going to the Vista. <laughs> I used to live in Los Feliz when I lived there. I knew you guys lived oh, there yeah. for a while and the Vista in the was just like my haven, you know? Yeah, we actually, my husband and I, Paul, who you know, mm-hmm. um, he, we lived uh, a, behind the Vista for almost five years. Oh, yeah. I know right where that is. Yeah. So we would walk down the street and see movies at the Vista. And there used to be a, um, a Mexican restaurant there, but I think they got rid of it. Oh. Uh, um, kind of nearby. Which like, one? Gosh, was it was it El Chavo? El Chavo. I know totally what you're talking about. Yeah, El Chavo. So we would like eat at El Chavo and yeah. then go see a movie at the Vista and walk back. Yeah. And it would be like the funnest night ever. And then get haircuts at Rudy's. <laughs> yeah, Paul got haircuts at Rudy's. I have a lady that I go to. But yeah, Paul would get haircuts at Rudy's. It's funny. I go to Rudy's here in Atlanta and uh, I kind of have a thing for Rudy's because I went there in L.A. so much. I lived over. Uh-huh. I lived off of I lived at like Santa Monica in Vermont. So just a few okay. blocks south of Los Feliz proper. And um, great. 
I just loved Rudy's. And every time I go to a city with a Rudy's, I will get my haircut. So I've got my haircut <laughs> at Rudy's in like New York and Seattle and Denver and Atlanta, LA. I think that's great. It's fun. I like that. <laughs> it's my Rudy's. Uh, uh, that's your Rudy's brand loyalty. They should sponsor this episode. No, they totally should. Throw some money our or way. An, or some episodes. <laughs> if that happens, I'll split it with you. How about that? <laughs> that's too generous, but thank you. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Uh, All right, so we can get into the big chill, the... uh so let's celebrate the boomers, you know? Yeah. Celebrate the boomers. The movie from I 19- mean, <laughs> the generation that you love and hate the boomers. Yeah. So here's my deal with this movie is um, I am 49 years old. Okay. This movie came out when I was 12 and my household was not an entertainment like we watched TV and stuff, but my par- we didn't like go to the movies as a family or listen to music. Like my parents never said, oh, boy, you should listen to this or you should see this or anything like that. I was kind of on my own with my brother. Um, okay. And we, we totally found our music in our movies on our own. But the one thing that we had in our house was the goddamn soundtrack to The Big Chill. 
like <laughs> on a loop. And I did that, yeah. that silly Facebook thing that was going around that your 10 most influential albums recently. And mm-hmm. I did that and I kind of had to think really hard about like what influential really means and not just favorite or I'm trying to be cool. And right. I put the big chill soundtrack on there because I was 12 years old and I was introduced to Motown in a big, sure. big way because of that soundtrack. I mean, that's interesting because, um, I feel like we're we're not, we're not that far apart in age and, um, I had boomer parents and stuff. I feel like growing up as a Gen Xer, like I could not escape boomer anything. Yeah. Like it permeated every cell. I mean, you know, it was like the music and the ethos and the this and the that. Yeah. And um, there was just kind of an obsession with it when when I was when I was coming up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and this soundtrack was huge. It was one of the, the big, big soundtracks of the 80s. And totally, I, I think totally kind of like an, an influential soundtrack, period. And they even totally. make a big deal about it in the movie. You know, there's that, that great yes. part where Kevin Klein, or I think Jeff Goldblum says, you know, can we listen to something else? There's been a lot of good music. And he was like, there is no other music in my house. Yes. Like, this, yes. Is, this is what we listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just felt like, I, I mean, it. it is, I would say it's probably one of the greatest sound, movie soundtracks of all time. Oh, absolutely. And as a 12-year-old who grew up listening to, American Top 40 and a total MTV junkie. Like, uh-huh. that's all I did was watch MTV, uh, which gave me a <laughs> lot of good music. But I had never heard Aretha Franklin and Smokey Robinson. And this uh, uh, this opened the door to all that stuff. And then in Motown, like we listen to a lot of Motown in my house today. Um, yeah. A lot of Motown yeah. playlists and stuff. And it's a lot of I mean, that came straight from the Big Chill. Yeah, it's like it's like classical music. It's like Beethoven. Yeah, <laughs> you're totally you right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Big Chill is another thing t- um, that I love about movies that have just a really basic, simple premise as, totally. a, as a jumping off point. And this movie sets it up so well at the beginning with that, you know, it's a funeral and a yes. bunch of old friends that haven't seen each, o- each other in a long time and go, there's your movie. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I, uh, we had recently watched, um, I had just rewatched the big chill kind of recently, but Paul had never seen, um, body heat. Oh man. Great movie. Which great movie, which is also Lawrence Kasdan. Yes. And William Hurt, right? Yes. Yes. William Hurt and everything. Yeah. And, uh, and like Lawrence Kasdan is, I mean, He's like written a bunch of like Star Wars movies and stuff. Yeah, he wrote Empire and I think he worked on one of the new ones. I don't remember which one. But uh, Yeah, yeah. I think sort of an underrated director. Uh when I look through his list of movies, there are some real good ones and he hasn't done a great movie in a long time, but The Accidental Tourist and Body Heat and The Big Chill, like these are some really really great movies of the 80s. Yes, and 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 The Big Chill, I think he captures in his writing and, and he directed it, right? Big chill. Yeah. He directed it and then, uh, co-wrote it. Uh, let me see. I meant, uh, oh yeah. He co-wrote it with some, with a female writer. Yeah. Barbara Benedict. And, but like, 
I think the feat that he accomplished of capturing a group of uh of people staying in a house over a weekend, like the whole feeling. Yeah. I mean, you almost feel like you're in, you're staying in this, uh, vacation house with, with these people. Yeah. And it also, um, it manages to like throw some kind of tropey stuff in there without it being, without it kind of tainting the experience. Like all the characters are, uh, I was I was watching last night and I was thinking like oh there's there's the guy who's still doing drugs uh there's the guy who kind of forgot where he came from and is has sort of sold out from uh, I guess that's sort of Kevin Klein is the big businessman now Yeah he's going to make a lot of money Yeah and they all seem a little <laughs> tropey but then I thought you know what if you take a cross section of anyone that age um, which is hysterical because they were like 35 I think I'm literally like I know. 15 years older than the big chill people were <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's kind of sad, but also, like, they still seem older than me somehow. Um, yeah. But if you took a cross-section of any group of friends in their mid-30s or mid-40s or whatever, it does kind of look like that. I mean, it's a trope for a reason. Like, if I looked at my friends, you know, I work in podcasting. My friend owns a wine store. Another one sells insurance. And there's just yeah. this big range, you know, especially when you get out of L.A. and not everyone you know is in the in the film industry. People do a lot of different jobs, and that's what it looks like in real life. I think the reason that it's successful in that, too, is the casting is so amazing. Yeah. Like, those actors are so real. Oh, so good. I mean, it. you know, I like, if I were to think, if someone was, like, pitching a movie today, and they're like, it's going to be a bunch of, like, adults at this turning point in their life dealing with a friend's death yeah. in a house for a weekend. Like, they would make it so everyone is so cartoonish. Yeah. Well, like, he sold out. Not only did he sell out for money, he's like a hedge fund. Totally. Uh, uh, manager that, uh, you know, and he's, you overhear him on the phone, like, firing, you know, oh, yeah. someone with an orphan who's raising an orphan or something. Correct. That would. And then, yeah. and then the tone, the tone is so special because he trusts you to just, like, absorb into the world so organically and if they were to make that movie today they would make it so crazy chaotic like there's the scene where the bat comes in the house yeah but it feels real like yeah. we've all been in that house where the bird flew in uh-huh and, and but if they did it in like today's time like they would knock over like a huge china cabinet and like it would be so chaotic and cartoonish yeah something would catch on fire <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't feel real. And yeah. and I think he strikes a note with those particular actors who are, I mean, it's got to be one of the greatest ensemble of actors of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's go through the cast a little bit. It's it's a movie that underuses Glenn Close. So that kind of tells you a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kevin well, it's an it is an ensemble. That's so. true. That is true. Um, yeah. My only beef at all is, uh, and, and you being from the South, too, I'm sure you. this is sort of a, a sticking point with you with accents, but, and I never yes. noticed it before, but Kevin Klein is the only one that kind of. He's it, the only one. Yeah. It's not great. He's good, at, he's good at them, too. I think, doesn't he do one in, um, I'm, now I'm going to say something wrong. Did he do one in Sophie's Choice? 
Mm, I don't know. I haven't seen that in so long. But he's, he's good uh, anyway. at accents generally, but it's the Southern accent is so hard and, and you know how it is in movies when you're from the South, yes. it's, 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 it's just never right. <laughs> I mean, I guess like, like in my mind, the way I made it sound, the way I justified it, it was like Kevin Klein probably did like his whole character's backstory <laughs> Yeah, and is like from South Carolina. Cause the, cause the movie takes place in South Carolina in his, uh, home, like, near Buford or something like that. And, and, but they all met at university of Michigan. So I was like, well, maybe they all like are from the Midwest or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I just picked up on that last night that they met at Michigan. I always kind of figured they were all from South Carolina, but I don't think that's the case. Alex, who, you know, obviously everyone kind of knows this by now. It was Kevin Costner cast in that role. Alex, who has died, he lived there because that's where the funeral was. And he had the affair with uh, with Sarah, with uh, Kevin Klein's wife. Right. But, yeah, I don't think the rest of them were supposed to be from South Carolina. And also maybe Kevin Costner in his cutout scenes did a Southern accent because. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him doing it because of Bull Durham and stuff. And- right. So you've got Klein, who's just a master. Um, yes. T- Tom Berenger, who. uh was so good in this as sort of a yes. Tom, Tom Selleck type guy. <laughs> yes. And he, I love his character cause he's like an actor and he's on some cheesy television show. TJ Lancer. And he's like, <laughs> he's like embarrassed of it. Yeah. It's funny because he's, and, and you know, this as an actor and being around actors, he's so insecure and yeah. just needs that validation, which is a bit of a tropey thing, but it's, it works well for this movie because he's, He's this big famous guy, but he gets around his friends and they kind of make fun of him a little bit in a, yes, in a fun way. Yes. You know, they're nice, but. Yeah, it's really it's really smart. The writing. I even like the detail, though, that they are in South Carolina. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Klein is from South Carolina and they met in Michigan. Like like Lawrence Kasdan, just he's he makes it real. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah, Mary Kay Place. How much do we love Mary Kay Place? Oh my gosh, she's, she's so great. awesome. She's awesome. She still works now, doesn't she? She does, and I just I think I feel she's, like I saw her in something kind of recently. She's so underrated. Like I never hear anyone talking about how great she was, and she's probably still great. But in the eighties, she had she was such a good character actor, and in so many good movies, and just had such a warm. You just you just want to hug her. She seems so lovable, and and like someone you know. Yeah, she seems like someone you know. Yeah, and she's so good as Meg, uh, trying to get pregnant. So good. And uh, I thought all that stuff was played so real as well. And and today it would have been if there was a character trying to get pregnant from one of her friends, it would have been so kind of corny and hokey. It would have been overwrought. It would have been like. There would have been like just like virtue signaling issues embedded in the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, because you can't have a comedy today unless there's some reference to what people are it's trending on Twitter or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was so real. Uh, and the, you've got, I mean, the way she played it with Behringer and everyone's sort of turning <laughs> her down. William Hurt is turning her down because I think it's implied that he's. He can't get it up. Yeah, that's the deal, right? Because <laughs> he's from Vietnam or something, right? Like he... Oh, is that it? Something happened to him. 
oh, over so there. That's, okay, I wasn't sure what that's what he meant when he said, did I ever tell you what happened to me in Vietnam? That's right before the bat comes in. Yeah, and I think it means he can't uh, get an erection anymore. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And then you've got Jeff Goldblum waiting in the wings. <laughs> Yes. He's like, what am I, tough liver? <laughs> and I, I was watching him and I was like, how is Jeff Goldblum more handsome in his 60s than he was in his 30s? <laughs> he's so kind of dorky, huh? <laughs> but he still was cute. He was, he was cute. I mean, he was cute, but he was kind of, I don't know, he's kind of gangly. I think he grew into himself as a, as an older man in a very sort of way that Dig- I, I never dignified. will. <laughs> yeah, more like distinguished or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you've got... Uh, a very uh, undersold Meg Tilly. Oh, Meg Tilly. She does such a good job with so little in this, I think. So, oh my God. I think she's brilliant. I think she's brilliant. She is. She's great. She doesn't have a lot to work with. Uh, and it's a, it's a tough role as the, the one outsider of this group of close-knit friends who is kind of stuck uh, almost in this yeah, house and with she's them. Yeah, like, and like she's like of a different generation than they are and... Yeah, uh, she's the younger girl. Yeah, yeah, uh, and a lot of her um, performance was physical. Like she's like doing like those splits and yeah, clearly a dancer. Yeah, yeah and it, I find I thought that was just such a memorable. What a great layer, you know, that she's so limber with her body, and their their bodies are starting to break. Yeah, you know? I didn't really think about that. That juxtaposition. Yeah, because, like, one can't get pregnant, one can't get it up. Right, that's true. And they don't, and again, I hate to keep saying this, but if if this movie were made today, they would have really overdone her (laughs) her youth and vitality, whereas here it's just sort of a little subtle layer. Yeah, if this movie were done today, there'd be a joke about TikTok, and they'd be like, is that a clock? (laughs) (laughs) Like, the studio would not have allowed Lawrence Kasdan to fully flesh out real people. They would be like... (laughs) <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. Uh, and then rounding out the cast, you have Joe Beth Williams, who I think is also really, really underused. And um, she's her just performance so good. is touching because she's like this, like unsatisfied, wealthy housewife. Yeah. And that is a trope, but it's a real thing. It is. And, uh, you know, all you're doing is waiting for her husband to leave so she can get down with Tom Berenger. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yes. Cause they clearly yeah. had this old love that, that was never sort of happened. And, uh, I love how she kind of stands up to her, to him in that one scene too, where I, he says something about like, you know, he left his wife cause he got bored and he was like, if we actually do this, that might happen with us too. And she's kind of like, fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, it's like a real conversation, like a real conversation that you might have with, you know, your old flame from decades before. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another one of my favorite moments is when it, it's sort of early on when they're all when they all decide they can all stay there and they're all, all in different rooms getting the beds together and getting the beds made up. And, yes. Uh, Behringer and Kevin Klein are in that amazing attic room with that super cool roof line. Uh, yes. And I'm such a uh, house fiend and architecture fiend. All I could do is like look at this house and these roof lines and go like, oh, my God. But um, he says they're talking about these are the two guys that have made a lot of money. And they have that one line about being former revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
Klein looks to him and he says, yeah, but we, we don't need the money or the right. In, in a way that <laughs> it's like, yeah, they both love the money. Right. Right. Like that, like they didn't know what it was like to make money before and how that would drive them. Yeah. And yeah. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy to say who needs it when you don't have it. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's such a, every little moment drives the theme of the movie in such a subtle, nuanced, character-driven way. Yeah. And he doesn't, like, bang us over the head with it. Um, I don't know. No, I thought it was really subtle. Lo- yeah. And there's no nuance anymore, I feel like, in life or in film. No, Chuck, there is no more nuance. <laughs> and Emily's always I, talking I, about that. I talk about this a lot. I, I have, I really do crave and miss nuance. Yeah. And I honestly think it's necessary to make us like deep thinkers and intellectually consistent when we're thinking about things. I don't know. Yeah, Janie. Uh, <laughs> and I got this feeling when we hung out that one time at Max FunCon that weekend, I was like, mm-hmm. you and my wife would love each other. You guys would be pals. <laughs> I'd love to meet your wife. That, I, sorry she was not there. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. And she, uh, she rails about the lack of nuance like on a daily basis in today's society, how everything is just black and white and you can't have any real conversation without like planting your flag so firmly in one camp or the other. I hate it because it's so judgmental. Um, it's like, it's like you having a conversation. That's a great way to put it is about planting your flag yeah. somewhere Be, because you can't like honestly process and think through where you might fall on something uh, without like a cacophony of voices from one side or the other screaming you down. Yeah. And I guess I'm talking a lot about like social media too, but I guess social media is part of our lives now, but yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but even just like media in general, I mean, you try to seek out news, which is we all have been doing because we want to know what's going on with the pandemic and the economy and yeah. the election and stuff like that. And it's just so crazy. It's so crazy that people go so far. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not saying anything that people don't know. <laughs> I know, but I'm with you. It's uh, it's a very discouraging time to uh, to be in America. <laughs> it's a very discouraging time. I I could not agree more. And I I do. And I and our I know our entertainment like reflects where we are and yeah. all this stuff. But like. You know, something as simple as the big chill, just like sort of exploring certain adult emotions mm-hmm. and and life changes and relationships, examining old friendships. Those small things are so relevant at any given moment in time. Yeah. To any group of people, any any group, any walk of life, you know. Yeah. That I miss stuff like that in entertainment. Yeah, and the other thing this movie did so well, I think, was um, for a movie that's about a bunch of friends getting together and aging and kind of talking about what's the meaning of life because their friend just uh, died by suicide. Um, Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't go like it, there's there's surprisingly few scenes of them kind of getting all tropey with those discussions. It's really yeah. there's a couple of them here and there and you would understand that cuz that's really going to happen in life. But uh it's really just about them reconnecting and and just enjoying each other for a little bit. Yes, and I like I like that it makes you feel the emotions that they are feeling. Yeah. I like I like stories that that make you feel and, um, and, and are, and are less about our hero does this and then faces consequences and then overcomes like, I, you know, that's useful and, and is very prevalent, but I love the sort of like character, the, the journey of like the human condition. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't see that movie getting made today unless it's some indie filmmaker doing it and then there's no way they can do it as good as Lawrence Kasdan. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was watching it last night, I was kind of thinking this has the DNA of an independent film in a lot of ways, but it, it's also a, just a movie, like a good old Hollywood movie. Like there are a couple of corny montages, <laughs> like the, yeah. uh, the, when they're dancing in the house and then where they're playing football and it's so cornball yeah. and, but it's fun. Like it's a, it's a real movie movie. But it, it has that sort of DNA of an independent film, I think. It has the DNA of an independent film with like a blockbuster cast. Yeah. And that doesn't get made today. Yeah. And, and some of the jokes, too, are sort of good old fashioned movie jokes, like the recurring bit with uh, Goldblum sleeping late. And always yeah. getting <laughs> he up. He misses everything all the time. <laughs> and he misses it. And he has that one great line. I think it's either, the, I think they probably do it three times, a rule of threes, but it's always Glenn Close, who's the only one there after everything has yeah. happened. And Goldblum wanders in and he just sits down with her and looks around and he goes, Are we the first ones up? <laughs> <laughs> the timing on that is so great, too. It is. And, and it's after that long, speaking of montages, isn't it right after? Isn't there like a long, oh no, I know. Isn't it after, no, I'm wrong. But there's that scene in the kitchen where they just set the camera up and show like, uh, it's like a time lapse. Oh yeah, yeah. Scene, uh -huh. you know? I love that scene. Yeah, and even the corny football stuff is kind of fun because, you know, you probably would go out and throw the football around. There are a bunch of big Michigan football fans. Yes, um, the other thing I thought was cool was how, uh, and I never really noticed this in other viewings, was aside from the funeral, uh, and then I guess the cop comes to the house, there's no one else in the movie. And right. even the scene with that great shot of, of Kevin Klein and William Hurt when he's on his morning run and William Hurt's walking along with him down the middle of the street. It's like a ghost town. Yeah, there's no one. There's no extras. There's no anything. And it's th that had an effect, I think, of these people just like yeah. all the focus being so firmly rooted on, on this cast. Yes. It has such a good observation. It's weird. It's almost like a horror movie. <laughs> I love it. I, I like, I love to, one of the things I love, you mentioned the funeral scene, which is the opening of the movie. Yeah. And really long. Yeah. It's really long. And this is where we're introduced to every single main character 
of the movie. I mean, and he introduces the cat, the ensemble cat. It's so perfect. Like yeah. everybody's reaction to what's going on. You can kind of, it's like he's planting the seed of who they are instantaneously. And then when they start playing on the organ, the Rolling Stones, oh, you can't man. always get what you want. So great. Like, you know, now what you're, you know, what you're in for, you know, yeah. exactly the tone of this movie. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always harp on the show about efficiency of character setup. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, he's so efficient with how he does that in that, in that funeral scene, you know, who all these people are and, yeah. and Joe Beth Williams hits down that organ and it segues into the real song. And it also sets you up for the, for the soundtrack too. Yes, it does. It does. The awesome soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, the uh, yeah. which you know at the end that finally comes around with the great sequence to uh, you make me feel like a natural woman when yeah. everyone's kind of pairing off and bedding down for the night uh, kind of hooking up it, it feels like that summer camp like the last night of summer camp when everyone's finally hooking up a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and such a sweet thing that Glenn Close allows for her I friend know. you know I just couldn't even get over it I know that's that is yeah I guess like maybe he was saying like in their own ways they are revolutionaries like they can be revolutionary within the boundaries of their friendships and relationships and be empathic and give in ways that maybe aren't like you know, marching on Washington and toppling the patriarchy or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. No, I agree. And, and, and I think, um, again, it's so subtle in the way he just sort of hints at their past. There's the one line about revolutionaries. And then I think Goldblum or Klein has a line, uh, about owning a house or whatever. And they never thought when they were young and he goes, yeah, that's when property was a crime. Um, it's just a couple of lines in the movie. And if it were made today, it would be so overdone. They would talk about, they would get in these big arguments about how they used to be and how they challenged the man and, and the establishment. And, and then there would be flashbacks. Yeah. You're probably right. With young, hot actors playing them that don't look (laughs) anything like them. It's so true. Um, and you know, the end they, they Mary Kay place, uh, and Kevin Klein, um, have sex to get her pregnant and it's such a sweet tender scene and just yeah. it's just so well played I think it's just such like a pure act of generosity and compassion and not cheap in any way yeah and she has that line earlier when she's talking to Glenn Close about it about getting one of the guys there to impregnate her and she's like really and she's like these are my friends like I love these men like yeah. of course I want one of them to to have the seed of my child and then there but and also but it's like super complicated too because glenn close did cheat on him that's right with the dead with this dead guy so yeah i didn't really think about it if there is that a bit of a uh i i had mine you can have yours moment (laughs) i think it's a lot i think it's a every all of those things to be honest yeah i think it's like human beings are complicated I think that's, you know, like we're complicated that this is a, that, that life's journey is, is not pure, that it's, it's riddled with layers and complexity. I don't know. 
yeah, complexities and stuff. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I and think she, de- there is a great scene where she's grieving the lost friend in the sh- like she's oh, in yeah. the shower in the shower crying. Yeah, and you get to really see Glenn Close's like serious acting chops. Yeah, because he, you know, he died there. He died. He he killed himself in that house in the bathtub. Yes. And you know they dance around it a little bit, but also make a couple of jokes. She makes a joke at one point, and then it's like, what an awful thing I just said. Thing to said, yeah. And that's so real because people do I that. I think that's true. Like when we grieve, yeah, yeah, like we we have to flip into humor sometimes just to deal. And there's no roadmap, you know. There's no right way to handle one of your old friends and in her case you know former Someone lover she loved yeah. yeah yeah gosh now i want to watch the movie again i've seen it more than once already so. <laughs> did paula see this does he like this movie um he did not rewatch it with me i w- i rewatched he was like doing a podcast or something in his uh-huh. office and i was like oh i'm gonna rewatch the big chill and to just to full disclosure i was watching it for research purposes for this for the pilot i'm writing right now Oh, cool because it's an uh, you know i i want it i want it to be written by lawrence kasdan Uh (laughs) (laughs) it's a good move somehow (laughs) but i guess like it'll be through my fingers on the keyboard somehow like i wanted to channel him that was my that was my wish Right. That if I watched it, it would rub off onto my, yeah, my, my creative being or something. No, you got to do that. Yeah. So I was watching it and I was like a blubbering mess. Like I was like crying. I mean, and I, you know, I've seen the movie. Yeah. But like those actors are just like, I love them so much. And yeah, he didn't watch it with me, but, um, Maybe he'll watch it. If I watch it again, maybe I'll, I can get him to revisit it. Cause he, he did like body heat. He did not, he had not seen body heat and then we watched it and he did like it. Totally different movie. <laughs> totally different movie, but you know, still same yeah. writer, I guess. So the home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this mother's day, whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight. for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. 
The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Well, all right, Janie, I think we did it. The Big Chill we from did. 1983. Uh, Such a good movie. Um, like, great movie, great soundtrack, great, great cast. Yeah. Great two, two writers of it. Maybe I should be channeling the female half of the writing team. Well, if you're channeling Big Chill, you're channeling both. I'm channeling Lawrence because he, he had the vision for the tone and stuff, I guess. And, I don't know. And if you're, <laughs> if you're sort of, uh, okay, boomer, no thanks right now, like a lot of people, uh, set that aside and give this movie a try if you haven't seen it. <laughs> it is very subtle and it is very nuanced and there is a lot of complexity and they don't make movies like this a lot anymore. No. And I I only I only get mad at boomers because they're spending all of our right. um, social security. <laughs> yeah, just, just that little my, thing. <laughs> that's my whole thing. And they're like the biggest population that votes. Right. So I'm hoping that changes now. I'm being like, you know, That'll change. Yeah. <laughs> because some of the boomers don't vote very well. Right. <laughs> They're bad at voting. Not the boomers I know yeah. and raised me, but, you know. Well, that's good for you. <laughs> My personal boomers are are cool. <laughs> good. Uh, mine are family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 that's tough, man. So there's like, uh, so there's some political uh, divide. Well, I mean, my family are all conservative but me but they're uh they're not trumpers though and there's a difference uh, i agree i agree a huge do you think difference. they'll embrace biden or just kind of stay home i don't know and i don't ask i don't think i want to know um i don't know good question are they in, are they in georgia yeah yeah okay so you know the deal <laughs> Uh, all right, Janie. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you sitting <laughs> down with me. This was fun, a fun hang. And uh, God, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Stay F Homekins. Yeah, it's great. People, Stay F Homekins. You can, can find it is. I don't even think we said it's a podcast you do with your husband Paul F Tompkins in quarantine. It's just you two being fun and sweet and funny and goofing around and talking about TV and, and just everything. Yeah, anything. anything that comes up. It's a lot of fun and very funny. And you should Thank check that you. out. Anything else? What? Where? You, where can they find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at Janie Haddad. Okay. I'm on Instagram at Lebanese Looker. Okay. And I say, please find our podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts at Stay F Homekins. Yeah. Thanks, Janie. Take care. You too. Thanks, Chuck. Take care. Be safe. 
All right, everyone. I hope you like that. I hope you are as charmed by Janie as uh, I always am. She's so much fun and such a uh, nice person and uh, very funny. And it was good to have a brief internet hang and uh, to hook up with someone on the left coast and chit chat about a very good, good old classic film, uh, a movie that I think we both agreed uh, just doesn't get made like this anymore. It would be a much, much different movie these days. Uh, not nearly as subtle or nuanced or complex and much more obvious. So uh, we were both grateful for uh, for this conversation to be able to talk about The Big Chill and the great Lawrence Kasdan and that amazing cast. And I hope you all enjoyed it, too. Go watch it if you haven't. It is on Amazon Prime right now. If you have that, you can watch it for free. So uh, that's it for us. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And until next time, take care of yourself. Go wash your hands. Stay at home. Wear that goddamn mask. Movie Crush is produced, edited, and engineered by Ramsey Yunt here in our home studio at Pont City Market, Atlanta, Georgia, for iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.